Hey, you guys, we got to tell you about Brez Coffee Company. Made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. No matter what your taste in coffee are, they got you covered. You like light or medium roast? Try the Necro Medium, Holy Grail Light, or Stamina Boost. I like the iCast Fireball mixed flavor, which is a fireball whiskey flavor. If you like dark roast like I do, then try the Critical Dark or the Coo Slayer Mocha Roast. Can't decide what you need for those all-night gaming sessions? Why don't you try one of their specialty sample packs? All roasts are made with fair trade Colombian beans. So stop buying that crappy coffee from the grocery store and head over to BrezCoffeeCo.com. That's B-R-E-Z-C-O-F-F-E-E-C-O.com and enter the code NCR at checkout for 10% off your order. Amazing! Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want extra episodes every month? Do you want ad-free versions of the show? Then you should sign up over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and you'll get your very own RSS feed to put into whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And you'll be first in line for all extra content. So head on over and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and welcome to another episode of the nerd cave retro show my name is Derek diamond and for this week's show you'll be seeing the video and hearing the audio from our panel at pensacon 2021 which seems like yesterday but it was already a couple of weeks ago time just keeps flying by uh, this year's honestly flown by I mean next thing you know it's gonna be halfway over we're in June so it's it's nuts but uh, this panel was a lot of fun to do. Uh, consists of myself, Jason Robbins, and Wally Phelps. And we talk about what the digital revolution means for the world of retro gaming. So it was a really fun discussion to have. And it actually, in a way, led into the show becoming a reality. So it was a really fun discussion to have. And I'll give you guys a heads up. Um, there was a little bit of uh, technical difficulties with the recording. So you'll be hearing the audio from the camera as opposed to what was recorded directly into their uh, sound system. So honestly, I don't know what happened with the recording. I went back and listened to it and there was nothing but dead air, even though I tested it beforehand and everything seemed to be working. So I do apologize for that. But before we dive into the panel itself, I want to give a shout out to our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout out Armez Jackson, Axblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Randy Bailey, Tyler Watson, Brandon Rutledge, Donner Party of Five, Gus and Penny, Jason May, Matthew Salmon, and Justin Olson. Thank you guys so much for your continued contributions to the Nerd Cave Retro Show. And if you want to be a part of our awesome Patreon community, just head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro for ad-free versions of this show. If you want to vote on show topics, vote on our monthly commentary tracks that we do, you'll have the ability to do that. So just head on over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And without further ado, here is our panel from Pensacon 2021. 
Greetings, programs, and welcome to a special live edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. I am one of the co-hosts of the Nerd Cave Retro Podcast, Derek Diamond. I'm Jason Robbins. And I'm Wally Phelps, and I don't belong here. <laughs> he's, the, he's our official fact checker, and he's here live fact checking us in real time. So, one of us says something wrong. It gets out, it's Wally's fault. That's not true. <laughs> so we're here, and I thought this would actually be a really cool topic to, to talk about because in a way it ties into how our show started. Uh, what the digital revolution means for the world of retro gaming. Three of us grew up playing video games throughout the 80s and 90s, really what I call the golden age of Nintendo. Yeah. I, in thinking about it, seeing all the the digital aspects of it, of gaming now, and I've embraced a lot of those qualities. Like, I couldn't tell you the last time I bought a physical game, but I feel like physical game collecting has become kind of a thing, and really it's ultimately you getting back into collecting NES games that sparked the genesis of this podcast. Yeah, uh, you know, because I was a huge fan of the uh, Atari when I was a little kid and then of course the Nintendo, Super Nintendo and uh, I never got rid of them, always had them and, uh, and then around 2015 just uh, really sparked my interest in actually uh, collecting all the stuff and of course now it's getting too expensive to, <laughs> to find, you can't find anything in the wild anymore, you have to get everything off eBay and stuff like that so yeah that was the genesis of the podcast me getting back into retro gaming. I'm curious, well, I guess I don't think I've ever actually asked you, what, what was it that sparked your initial interest in video games when you were younger? In video games, period? Yes. Ooh, uh, my parents bought an Atari. <laughs> it was uh, Donkey Kong, really, was my introduction into video games. It was a, a simple concept. There was this what was supposed to be a gorilla, throwing barrels at me. And I, I don't know, as a, as a three-year-old child, I was excited by this idea. It's like I wasn't just watching this cartoon, I was playing. And, uh, and it just got more intensified from there whenever I went to the arcade and some of those types of things. Uh, the graphics were so much better than that Atari I was using. So I think that's really what kicked it off, is that my parents really enjoyed video games too. Yeah, that was the thing with my parents really loved the Atari. Most of Nintendo came around, they were, they were out at that point. And uh, you know, I, I still remember getting the Atari for Christmas 1983. And like you said, Donkey Kong was probably the best game for that system. They only had about five good games. <laughs> and uh, like you said, the, the, the arcade was, was so much better than the whole version of stuff. So when the Nintendo came around, it was like that was the you know, it was closest thing you could get to actual arcade games at home. Yeah, because I didn't grow up around an arcade. You know, I don't think I went to an arcade for the first time until I was like maybe eight or nine. We had one in what used to be University Mall here that I would go in every now and then, but for the most part, just stuck with 
you know, the original Nintendo, and then Super Nintendo was the first console I ever owned. And that was really what sparked my love of, of video games. Yeah, it's, it's over the last, you know, 15 years or so, it's gotten, we're getting to the point where physical games are no longer a, a thing. I mean, you can still buy physical games, but if you're into collecting, it's really hard to do nowadays. And the thing that scares me about the, the, the new digital stuff is you don't really own it. You're, you're basically renting it, uh, you know, DRF or whatever, uh, from the, the companies. And what happens if that company goes under or whatever, you know? And a lot of stuff too, like, like you play a lot of Fortnite. Yes. Like, that's, I don't think that's gonna be something that's gonna be around in like 10, 15 years. It's already been around for 10. <laughs> it's, yeah, but it's not something that like once though, the, it, because it's such an online thing, and that's the huge thing now is all the online stuff. The, you know, the, the what, what are they called? The battle royales and stuff like that. Like, what do you do when no one else is playing it anymore? Well, okay, so when it comes to that kind of thing, as far as the games as a service situation. Yeah, that's what I mean, games as a service. It, it's, it's a lot like TV now, where they are constantly updating and innovating the game to make it interesting through seasons. So one season has this theme, like last, last season was Hunters, so all of these different hunters from outside of the epic universe, like uh, the Predator, the Alien, Ellen Ripley, all of these different characters from pop culture were brought into the game, and you were supposed to be essentially hunting people for bounties. You could be John Wick, that was really cool. Yeah. Uh, and this season is now Primal, where they added animals. So now you could be shooting at somebody and I don't know where a raptor tries to kill you. So, you know, it's, it's, every season is different. Every season has its pros and cons, and it just keeps up interest like that. So it, but isn't that sustainable? I think so, because that, isn't that what Activision does anyway with Call of Duty, and that's been going on for 20 years? Yeah, but Call of Duty also has a, a campaign that you can replay over and over again 10, 15, 20 years from now when no one else is. Like but you also the campaign of Call of Duty game more than once. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Halo. <laughs> yeah, yes, very true. But the thing with the thing with Fortnite, I think, is is that it is it's the biggest game. It's had over six, I think it was six million concurrent players, like at one time. Uh, playing consistently every day. So I agree with you that, you know, that I, I think this is a different beast altogether than something like uh, like the uh, Scott Tobin versus the World game, for example, yeah. where it was only online. And then they lost the license to it, and now the game is and no longer available. You can't get it. Well, you can get it now. Yeah, they relicensed it. But, you know, that, that, that's what I meant, like, as far as but that's kind of a point I'm, I'm getting to, like, because there's a lot of games that were released in the 90s, a lot of arcade games. Like, you look at Aliens vs. the Predator, the arcade game. Like, there's nowhere to purchase. Like, because Nintendo hates... Uh, they hate money. They hate money. <laughs> and they hate when people download ROMs. 
I play a lot of ROMs on an emulator because you can't get them anywhere. So right. what are we going to do in the future? Like Nintendo saying they all have to get together somehow and say, look, the only way we're going to be able to have people be able to play these games, and all these companies, like all this licensed stuff, they have to work something out to where it's like they can have some sort of online library where you can play these things, you know, indefinitely. The, the way I look at it is that that's never going to happen as long as they're all selling their own, their own hardware. Because the reason why you're not seeing all of these different companies working together in this way is because Nintendo has a Switch to sell you and we don't want Sony games on our Switch vice versa and that's why crossplay was so contentious for the longest time it's happening now because of consumer demand but i don't see it getting to a point where everybody's going to be able to play everything on everything because uh, an interesting piece of information that just happened now is microsoft purchased bethesda and they have a game that's coming out called starlink i believe it is and they literally two days ago announced, oh, by the way, this game's going to only be on Xbox and PC. Because we are Xbox. We're not going to let Sony and Nintendo have this game. But also, Sony shoots themselves in the foot, too, because just recently, um, the, the head of Sony uh, PlayStation didn't want any sort of backwards compatibility all the way back to the PS1 because his, right. his philosophy is who wants to play old PS1, PS2 games? Well, most I do. Yeah, well, I mean, most take that PlayStation 1 because those games are up. <laughs> yeah, they might be ugly, but there's still people out there that never got to experience it. Right, it's his That's the thing. That's really the biggest thing right now is, is trying to... Uh, I can't... We're, we're currently sitting in a museum. We need a way for us to be able to experience the history of video games in a legal and easy to access way. So I like your idea of just a Netflix for games type situation. Well, there are companies that are, are developing things like that. We did, uh, do you remember the name of that company? We did an article about a few weeks ago. Uh, it was sort of like a Plex server for video games. Yeah, right. the name escapes me, but. Well, and, and there's also the, like, Xbox Game Pass, there's Luna, there's, which is Amazon's streaming, game streaming, and Stadia. Only one of those things are good, but it's, it's a start, you know. I would like for those to become more commonplace, but until we have uh, higher data caps or no data caps on our home internet services and less latency uh, across the country, yeah. I don't think it would be such a good idea because I have Stadia. And the problems I have with it are it, it is really, you ever play a Nintendo game where you press the button and it takes two, two seconds for yeah. it to happen? Yeah. That happens on Stadia uh, if you have a bad connection. Another thing that happens on, on Stadia that I don't like is the fact that the store is terrible, but that's their fault. <laughs> that's the same thing with Nintendo. I don't know if anybody else here plays has a Nintendo Switch. That online store is horrible. Right. It's terrible. 
You've been they released a great set of games a couple of days ago, and I couldn't tell you the name of a single yeah. one of them. <laughs> that, and that's what we, me and Wally were talking about on our last show, was why at this point, it's been, what, two years they've been releasing Nintendo and Super Nintendo games, Earthbound is still not being released. And that's a Nintendo property. And there's no way to get it. Why, why are they? It's the on the Wii. It was on the Wii, yeah. There was, it was on the Wii. It was on the SNES Classic. Yeah. The Classic, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Because it, what, wouldn't you think that they already had it emulated at this point? Yes. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. I guess that's what I don't understand is Nintendo of all companies is sitting on a gold mine. Right. So many games for all their systems that they have not released yet. Why would they not do it? Yeah. Because even, Nintendo. Even if it's in a consistent, Manner like oh, once a month we're going to release two big titles and maybe three smaller ones for each system, and you just do that every month. I don't ride that wave for years. I, I really believe that Nintendo has a has kind of a company culture problem where the culture of the company is let's not do the easy thing. Yeah, I think they're always doing basically. What they think is broad strokes, grand strokes of okay, let's let's innovate in such a way that no one's going to say that we're copying someone else, you know. Yeah. And that does <coughs> look at the Wii U, look at the Virtual Boy, but in other cases like this, it just is mind-boggling that they're not going to just release game they already have made because we have money that we're going to. For the third or fourth time for this one game. I also think that it, a lot of it stems from Nintendo of Japan. Yes. Because they, I don't even think they understand how the internet works yet. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> because think about it, like, you know, a couple years ago when they did the whole, uh, if you're going to stream Nintendo games, then you have to be a, a Nintendo affiliate. Yeah. Or you get. Uh, Copyright strikes. You get copyright yeah. strikes on your Twitch and YouTube channels. Yeah. That's terrible business for us. <laughs> well, let's say I got a strike for Link to the Past. I got a strike on my Twitch channel for DuckTales, the original NES game. Oh, ooh, ooh. Yes. <laughs> and the video was taken down. A 35-year-old game at this point. <laughs> I, I, I don't get what, were they afraid of spoilers? I guess. Uh, <laughs> probably a lot of it had to do with Disney, too, because of that music. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's a digitized version of the Well, I guess, I mean, I don't know. Because Disney's weird, too. Disney is weird. They let a lot slide, but if you have, like, five seconds of John Williams music from Star Wars, <laughs> you can kiss your video goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> now I just got the DuckTales theme stuck in my head. Yeah. Well... Hasn't it been playing since 1988? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, just like right here in the back of my head. Every now and then, it just—it's always there. Yeah, it's it's always there in, in some way. A lot of those cartoons from the 80s and 90s. And another thing too, you know, they did that remake a few years. Ago. Yeah, the remaster yeah, Xbox yeah. 360, and there's nowhere else to get it. Nope. Right now. Well, here, here's another interesting thing that I found out: the uh, PlayStation 4 had an update recently. 
where it made it to where if the battery that's inside of the system dies, it has to be connected to the internet for it to play anywhere. That includes any game that you have on disk. So it's like, 
because but but at the same time, yes, they have the name recognition and they have the the, the money because but at the same time, they they're not like Sony has sold more consoles across all generations than anybody at this point, and Nintendo is in second, but not by a whole lot. So it's like. They have a product people want, and things are going digital. Why aren't you giving people what they want, which is digital versions, like, like online versions, of the things that we already had at one point, because nostalgia does sell. We do a podcast about old video games. It's, I mean, people you, want to hear Clearly there's a market there. Well, I, I think most of Nintendo's market is people our age. Yeah. Uh, well, I wouldn't say most of it. Because... A good chunk. And even the, the, the younger generation, man, kids still like going back and playing Super Nintendo games. Well, yeah. I mean... They're just good games, whether they're old or not. Right. And, I mean, my little girl has a Switch, of course, and she, she does play some older games. Uh, not a whole lot, but she plays some of them. And... But... Nintendo is one of her favorite things. I mean, the, the franchises might be different. You know, she's a Pokemon person. I know we weren't in the Pokemon generation. Uh, you, you were. But uh, <laughs> we, we, we missed that. Well, she loves out. the Pokemon games. She loves... I mean, look at how popular Super Mario 35 was. Oh, yeah. And then they yanked it out of the store. There's nowhere... There, you can't play it at all. And what is the point of that? Why? Well, even the, the 3D All-Stars that yeah. just came out, that was only available for a limited time, and now you can't buy it. Right. I have it if anybody wants to buy it for $700. <laughs> only $700? That's it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they're just, you think of the broad reach that Nintendo could have with all their properties. Like, you look what the success that Sega had with the Sonic movie, and now there was enough buzz that there's going to be a second one. I know the Mario animated movie's coming out, and was it 2022 yeah. that Illumination's yeah. doing? Nintendo has enough appeal that they could span generations. Like, there are people younger than us who enjoy Mario games, who enjoy Zelda games. That could reintroduce them to a whole new audience. Like, you can make a Zelda series, you can make a Metroid movie, and that would create more appeal for the games. But they're not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> this has well, suddenly I mean, become Nintendo. What do you do? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Which that's is our show. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's our show every week. Nintendo. What do you do? That's what we should have called it. Nintendo. What do you do? <laughs> Predictions, panel. <laughs> <laughs> Just give us the things we want. So, does anybody have any questions or anything? Any comments they want to throw out there? Well, I mean, might it be a little unfair? Uh, Maybe not going at a rate that a lot of people would prefer the older retro games would like, but could it, can't we at least acknowledge that Nintendo is taking some baby steps towards it? I, I think so, and I know since I really noticed it when the GameCube came out that Nintendo seemed to be a couple of steps behind yeah. Sony and Microsoft. Like I feel like Nintendo is just now really getting into like online play. Like I know it was, it's a thing with Smash Brothers Ultimate. 
You can do it on Mario Kart, I believe, as well. So there are baby steps, and, and I, I hope that they do get there. Right. Eventually they will. <laughs> I mean, I think Detective Pikachu was a miracle because it was a Nintendo property that wasn't, it didn't feel micromanaged in the way that most Nintendo properties do. So, which gives me great hope for the future of their outside of their licensing of the properties. But when it comes to the actual video games, I don't know how. Well, Nintendo's always been, you know, a couple steps behind everybody else, but I don't think Nintendo cares. Well, in terms of power and uh, UI. They're more about gameplay than, right. than they are, like, the hottest graphics. Or, that you know, literally, I mean, absolutely. Because they are looking for what is fun. Yeah, exactly. They're not looking at, we need this to be a seamless integration of blah, 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 blah. You know, they, they, they just want you to be able to put the game in and, hey, let's play Zelda. And that's why they can resell us the same Mario games 50 times. We'll still because they're great. <laughs> Did you have a question? Um, touching on a similar thing to what he asked about the Nintendo working with other companies. Uh, do you think we're starting to see a change in that with the things like Hyrule uh, Warriors and the, um, Mario and Rabbids and those kinds of crossover combination games and them allowing other companies to use that? Do you think we're seeing the start of a change to that? I think so. I, I think it goes back to what we were just talking about. Nintendo's taking baby steps. Because right. I, I completely forgot about Mario vs. Rabbids. Which you can always find on sale for like 15 Yeah, bucks. something like that. That's the thing about Nintendo. No matter how old, like even now, you, you go to the store to buy, even on the online store, like uh, uh, Breath of the Wild and Odyssey, they're still 60 bucks. Like, right. They do not lower their price for anything because we'll pay for it. So that should tell them that, you know, we'll buy what you have, you just have to give it to us. There's a, there's a joke that keeps happening anytime. I follow a Twitter feed where the guy shows you video games that are for sale, on sale anyway, and whenever Nintendo games go on sale, it's generally five or $10. Yeah. And it's like, you know, $50 for Mario, uh, for, you know, whatever game it is. And somebody always comments, must not have sold well. It's like, really? <laughs> yeah, you look at how popular, you know, I play uh, Mario Kart 8 a lot online, and I love playing that stuff online, but it just, Nintendo has a very bad online presence, and, and they need to, I don't know. For whatever their next console will be, that has to be one of their highest priorities, is yeah. getting their online system. So that's what we said last time, too. Yeah. <laughs> that's like you. Yeah, but yeah. They're going to announce yeah, Metro. They, they always do the half steps. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> they always do the half steps. Like, you know, the, the, the Nintendo 64 was, was huge, and the GameCube didn't do that great. Wii came out, did Game Busters. And then they did the Wii U, didn't do great died on the vine, but then the Switch is like sold almost as many 
units is the, the Wii. And I think it's outsold the PS4, has it? The Switch? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's outsold in everything. It absolutely, yeah, everything from the last generation, yeah. So I'm pretty sure the next console is going to be another half step that people aren't very much into. They keep on saying that there's going to be the Switch Pro, and that's been a rumor for like two years. Yeah. And it really bothers me because, like, it's like I see the same YouTube videos. It's like, Switch Pro accidentally leaked, and this was like the same title they used two weeks ago. It's like, no, I don't have a Switch Pro in my hands, and it's been two years. You are misinformed. It might come out, but I mean, no time soon. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be a Switch Pro. I mean, they're, they're, we got at least another three, four years left on the life of the Switch. So, honestly, I'll pick the Switch. Me too. It's my favorite console. I mean, I, I, I haven't touched it in over two months, but yes. Yeah. because you're crazy and you play Fortnite way too much. On my PlayStation 5. <laughs> those those rays are traced so well. <laughs> I don't need ray tracing. Obviously. <laughs> but, but that does bring up a good point. I know we've been bashing Nintendo quite a bit, but I will say this. There is nothing like a Nintendo game yeah. compared to like a PS4 or an Xbox One game or whatever other console you want to talk about. Yeah. When I play a Nintendo game, there's just that certain element, that certain charm that they have that keeps pulling us in and you're like, this is why we love Nintendo. And it's it's not that we hate Nintendo because we, we just know that they can do so much better. Yeah. Well, those, all those games are just infinitely replayable. Like, I could play, like, I have a bunch of PS4 games, but play through them once and I'm done. But with Nintendo, like I can play Odyssey over and over again. I can play Breath of the Wild over and over again. And then they, they, they don't get old. Yeah, and then I can leave it, it if it does get old, leave it for a little while, come back a few months later and it's fresh again. And even going back and playing like Link to the Past or Super Mario World. How many World. times have me and you combined played and finished Link to the Past? Oh my god. <laughs> I don't even have any idea. It's got, I mean, at least dozens for me over the last, what was that, 24? No, 30 years ago now, holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about 1990, it was 10 years ago. Yeah, it was. <laughs> sure. Uh, I just keep telling myself that. Yeah. No, he's okay. had his hand up for a while. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, this is more relevant to old, probably old DOS based games, but do you see any way forward? Well, you can do that with, uh, have you ever gone to like good old games or you can get a lot of that stuff on Steam too. A, a lot of those old DOS based games and things like that. And some of them are trickling in. There's some where they can't even find out who the original copyright yeah, is. Right. Yeah. I know that's a tough one. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a possibility. Uh, there's real no way of knowing, but with as many hobbyists and people who are trying to preserve the history of video games that are out right now, there's a possibility where somebody is going to be able to go in and, and do the research they need to do to make that happen. So I do see that as a, a real possibility because of the people like us who are passionate about the preservation of the history of video games. So I mean, There are people that are very hardcore uh, about 
video game preservation. And, you know, recently, how many games have been just found, you know? Uh, right. Oh, dozens. I mean, recently, we read a story about, um, I don't remember what game it was, but the guy found a disc with an unreleased, um, it was the beta version of some game that got canceled back in the 90s. And he found it on a disc un under some pallets. Yeah. <laughs> And underneath a tree and, and yeah. behind this business. And then, you know, a lot of people worry when stuff like that happens because you get the wrong person who's gonna find something like that and then just immediately try to sell it on eBay for like $3 million or whatever, instead of saying, hey, this is a part of video game history. We should probably dump this wrong and, you know, give this or donate this disc to, to a someone that can, you know, keep it preserved. I mean, I wouldn't, if I, if I did have something like that happen, I would definitely get it to somebody who would be able to dump the wrong. Yeah. And then I would sell it for three million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you know, you were talking about like the DOS-based games, but you know, what about all those like old um, games that were, you know, the MUDs that were written in basic? Like that's, that's a dead computer language. There aren't too many people left in the world who can, you know, use basic, like, that's, some of those games are just going to be lost to time. I mean, I know basic. What, you work at Radio Shack or something? No, I took basic in, in school, you monster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old man. <laughs> or, or even the um, little handheld games of the 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, Tiger Electronics is re-releasing a bunch of old... 80s and 90s handheld games like The Little Mermaid and Mortal Kombat and things like that. Uh, they're still terrible, but you know, <laughs> that's cool that they But they're fun though. Like that yeah. was that was my game boy for Right. For those little terrible tiger LED games. Right. I mean, and that's a you know, and there are defunct systems that you can't find anything for, yeah. like the GameCom or the art. Yeah. Type or whatever it's called, or the the uh, the Fairchild. Yeah. So, so God, I haven't heard the name Fairchild. Right. <laughs> so you know, a lot of people don't even realize they exist. How are we going to play those games? Yeah. You, know? you look at the, like things like the Vectrex. Mm -hmm. Like how many of those are still functioning right now in the world? Like that stuff's got to be put into like under glass in a museum to preserve it for you know a hundred years from now. People be like, oh, this right. is what video games used to be. And the only thing that you can really do with a Vectrex is, you know, try to emulate the experience in a different way because there, there was a hardware component to that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, there's only one way to experience a Vectrex. Exactly. With a Vectrex. With a Vectrex. <laughs> yeah. We're going to, yeah. Yes, sir. So, you were mentioning earlier about the Pokemon games with the batteries that are dying and you have old Super Nintendo cards, uh, any cards really that have the same issue with preservation of your save files. Um, with the ease of emulation that's out there and the fact that some of these companies are officially, you know, marketing these older titles back to the consumer through the class of consoles, uh, what is the ethical responsibility uh, of gamers regarding emulation and how do you balance that with preserving some of those games? Maybe if they didn't decide to curate those, but you still want to preserve the play with that, 
And then especially when you have to take into consideration some of these companies are going back now and editing those original files when they're re-releasing them digitally, not just through balancing, but you know, like for political reasons. Um, you know, some of the older fighting games where they're, Japan's removing the rising sun imagery. Um, so how do you kind of balance that? Well, the way I look at it, I mean, when you have games like, like one of the games I mentioned earlier, like Aliens vs. Predator, a game like that, that isn't available anywhere, and you want to experience that game, I don't see any, I mean, I know it's illegal to download the ROM, but when it comes down to it, you're sitting in a courtroom, you know, Capcom or whatever, suing you for downloading a game, which I don't think is going to happen. I mean, I mean, the only thing you can say is, like, I don't have any other way to play this. <laughs> like, what do, what do you think we're going to do? I mean, this goes back to what we were saying earlier. There should be, if Nintendo and other companies can't stand the fact that there are ROMs out there of other games, yeah. then come up with a way for us to play them. Exactly. Because we will pay for it. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at, like, the original Legend of Zelda cards. You know, those batteries were only meant to last, like, 20 years, and here we are 35 years later. A lot of my, my cards still work, but I know one day I'm going to put that card in, and that save file is going to be corrupted. I mean, batteries only last so long, so the fact that, you know, they they're, they put, you know, Legend of Zelda in the, the Nintendo shop on the Switch, like, keep doing that stuff especially for those old games because, you know, those batteries weren't meant to last. Same with VHS tapes. You know, VHS tapes aren't meant to last. There's a lot of VHS tapes starting to break down now. Like, you know, I go, I still collect VHS tapes. And I still have something when I was a kid. You know, you go watch that stuff in a VCR and, you know, the tapes start to stretch and, like, you know, start to break down. So we just got to get faster at digitally preserving things, because that's what, you know, a hundred years from now, there's not going to be any analog stuff left. Well, I think even if it's not for monetary purposes, even for preserving it, like we talked about a video game museum, just having it there so that it survives. Because if it's not digitally preserved, eventually, like you said, VHS tapes wear out, cartridges wear out, and then it's gone. It's not like it's a record. Records can last hundreds of years if taken care of properly. We just have to start properly taking care of all the analog things that, you know, our, I mean, our generation, you know, the Gen Xers and the Millennials, like, we had so much cool pop culture, like, we were the pop culture generation. So, you know, we have so much preservation it's like it's our responsibility to make sure this stuff gets preserved for you know future generations to, to experience. I think there should be like a library of Congress type situation. Yes. Where you know, and there are a whole reason why that whole thing started is because of the fact that the film used to be so volatile and difficult to store. Yeah. So they're like, well, this is a culturally important. We need a copy of it here. And I think the same thing needs the same care and attention needs to be given to these unavailable uh, titles that are out there. And anything that would require a, a battery or something of that nature, then there needs to be a way for them to be able to, to, to make it available, but also 
to archive it in a way that we will always have it. Yeah, I mean, video games were looked at as you know, kids' things when I was a kid, but video games are a part of our lives, they're a part of our culture, you know, and <coughs> we have to, we have to have some sort of, like you said, Library of Congress type of right. and, thing. And it goes far outside of just video games. Video games has touched the pop culture and society guys yeah. in so many different ways that you wouldn't even believe. Uh, a good example of that is look, Disney World, uh, Disney Land actually just announced some information about their upcoming Spider-Man attraction. There's DLC that you can purchase <laughs> to make the game easier that they're going to have inside their Spider-Man attraction. Thanks, EA. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, so it's like without without these, this is the first theme park attraction. Microtransactions. Great. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> we're maybe a couple more years away from that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, here. it's here. It's here. We're coming up on the end of our panel. Is there any last minute questions that you guys want to throw out there? First of all, none of you mentioned the virtual boy, so I take offense to that. I <laughs> did so, didn't I? <laughs> well, I didn't mention the virtual boy. Yet. You just weren't listening. I thought. <laughs> and, um, and all seven games. You know. <laughs> Growing up as a kid, you know, it was always fun to walk into your room. You know, my first system was a Cleveland Vision, then I had an NES. To see the cartridges on your shelf, and then, you know, plug it in, start it up. Now, today's gamers are missing that aspect. Do you think today's gamers are missing something by not having a physical item to plug into a machine to play? Because that new experience is the same kind of playing a video game, but they don't actually have the media. I mean, that's definitely something that, you know, growing up, that was to have that new Nintendo game or whatever and opening that box and pulling out, smelling the, you know, the plastic. Like, that's just an experience I think. I don't know if I think kids are going to get that experience anymore. So. Yeah, I mean, very, no. Something special about that. You know, getting that finally saving up enough uh, allowance to go get Super Mario Brothers 3. You're like, ah, it's mine. Well, it was the point of going to Kmart or Walmart and then being sold out of the cartridge. Yeah. Cool. I think we're out of time, better, but is it quick? It's a quick question. So, uh, do you think it's our responsibility as people who are enthusiastic about deserving video games to? Bring more attention to the how we're talking about like the, the vet tracks and all of those. Like, and, and somebody who's part of the more modern generation, people who have friends with, never heard of things like Zor or like the yeah. whole tech trick. Do you think it's very important to bring attention so they're more likely to? Like, even my uh, gamer friends haven't heard of it. Some of the really old tech space and those kind. Honestly, I think what we just need, we need to have like the video game hall of fame, like, you know, like the rock and roll hall of fame, like a mu physical museum you can visit and, and see all this old stuff. That's, I don't know who's got the money to do that. I certainly don't. No. <laughs> I think we'll see it one day. So. But that's our time. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, thank you all so much for coming out. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that fun panel from Pensacon. I know we had a lot of fun 
looking back on you know old games that we played back when we were kids and really what the future of of gaming could be it's it's always for for fun discussion so hopefully you guys enjoyed it for next week's show we'll be back to our normal format and we'll be back live uh, Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central Time at twitch.tv slash jfunktastic. And that's really going to do it for this week's show. I'm not sure what Jason's going to be reviewing for next week, but uh, I'm sure it will be fun. We'll be discussing uh, the weekend news this month in video game history, and Jason will be reviewing a game of his choice. So I'm going to get out of here, but if you want to uh, follow the show, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, at jfunktastic, and at Derek underscore diamond. Check out our website at nerdcaveretro.com. If you want to email us a news article, I know that a lot of you guys have been doing that over the past several weeks, which we very much appreciate. Shoot us an email at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Visit our merch site at ncrmerch.com. And of course, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. If you can't uh, commit to our Patreon, then leave us a review. Uh, Wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So may the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. 